This episode of the Blockhouse Podcast is sponsored by my friend Tiger at ITZTiger.music on Instagram. He does all the audio tracks for the Blockhouse Podcast. He's on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Go check him out. The podcast is also sponsored by Day and Night, the ultimate revolution in vaping batteries, the double-bladed lightsaber of vaping. Why enjoy one flavor when you can enjoy two flavors at the same time? Go check them out on Instagram at Day and Night Battery. But wait, the podcast is also sponsored by Bengali, the new hip clothing brand that is about to take Medellin by storm. Quality clothing for men that fits right and that is stylish at the same time. I love it. I got tons of it. And you'll see me wearing it on the podcast. Get yours now. Go to bengali.shop on Instagram. Lastly, be sure to sign up for the Blockchain Insider newsletter. For only $250 a month, you will get weekly updates on the crypto market, my top investment picks, and advanced analysis to help you make better informed investment decisions. You can't put a price on that. So go click on the link in the description and sign up today. Hey guys, how's it going? It is Wednesday, July 21st, episode 157. Today I have Michael Senna, co-founder of Ceramic. Ceramic is a decentralized open source platform for creating, hosting, and sharing streams of data and a place for developers to create apps on Web3 very easy, easily and seamlessly. So if you're a blockchain developer, you're a project, you're working in this space and you're building decentralized applications, be sure to go check out Ceramic and how it can benefit you. With that said, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain, Michael Senna, and Ceramic. Enjoy. Michael, welcome to the Blockhash Podcast Live. How are you doing today, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Brandon. Yeah, I'm glad that you're here and, and you're on today to talk about ceramic. Um, before we do that, I um, want to know a little bit more about you and yourself. Tell me what, what's, um, what's your background? What did you do before this? Um, what's your story? How did you get into crypto? What, what got you excited about the industry? For sure. So my crypto journey started back in 2016. Um, I joined consensus which at the time was an early blockchain company it was basically the only one around building anything on ethereum um and so yeah at the time i was living in san francisco you know working at a design and product consultant studio and we had started taking on some projects from clients that could have benefited from a, a blockchain or ethereum enabled solution and i just kind of got tired of proposing these things and wanted to actually start building. Um, so yeah, I made the jump to consensus. And when I was there, um, we sort of formed this team and it, it became the Uport project. And so um, Uport was sort of the first self-sovereign identity and you know user-controlled data platform that was trying to use blockchain. Um, and that's sort of where I met a bunch of, you know, really smart people, some of like those that you know we're, we're thinking foundationally about some of what this new paradigm of building actual dApps on a decentralized platform could look like. Uh, so yeah, I guess it all started there. Yeah, are you uh, a developer by trade, um, or do you just work with developers? Uh, somewhere in between. It's like uh, I'm on the 
the co-founder of the company, so I really don't write that much code um, these days. But um, I definitely sort of am more thinking about technical architectures and sort of what types of uh, access patterns and, and how should the tech be built more than actually writing code. Okay, got it. Um, what, what, what got you interested in, in that kind of stuff, though? Were, were you just like looking at the technology and curious how, you know, it could, you know, be a little bit better from a developer side and how applications can be built? Or was there like something specific that got you interested in that? Yeah, it really started with, um, I was doing client work for a Fortune 50 retailer. Mm -hmm. um, and we were really trying to come up with ideas of how they can improve the, the personalization um, experience on their platform. Uh, and one of our proposed solutions was really about, you know, letting users sort of own their own data, um, which we, you know, sort of separated from identity at that time. We said, you know, what if users could, you know, have this like vault of data that when they showed up at your site, they could sort of present to you and your interface could sort of mold to, to them rather than sort of requiring them to start using your platform in order for you to start providing recommendations and things to them. Um, and so it really came from that perspective of like, how might web services change and how might the customer and user experience improve in a world where um, the, the paradigm of data ownership and control was flipped from servers to users. Uh, and then that, you know, blockchain and Ethereum particularly at the time was really the only platform that offered smart contracts and programmability. And so, uh, yeah, we thought, why not try to build some of these things? Yeah. When you, when you talk about, you know, stored data, are you talking about like privately stored data by like individuals and being able to like own your data? Or are you talking about like where you store it, like, um, like on the cloud and stuff like that? They're somewhat related, um, but it's a good distinction to make. So uh, to to me, sort of control just means the ability to provide access or permissions to that data, which in some ways needs to be controlled by the user. Um, but ultimately, the, the back end or where the data is stored could be a variety of places. Um, you know, it could be like a centralized server on AWS a database. It could be locally on you know my computer or my mobile phone um, or it could be on ipfs or somewhere else in the decentralized web and so you know owning or controlling your data to me is more about you know aggregating the the discovery and the access to that data even if the data actually lives somewhere else um, because you know application developers will choose to build with whatever backend really suits their needs um, and in an identity system should be interoperable with all of those, right? It should be sort of independent. Um, and that's a good way to think about the difference. Yeah, that, that's a huge focus in the blockchain space too, is you no know, privacy and controlling data and, you know, flow of data, where your data is stored, how your data is stored. Um, and I imagine, obviously, that's a lot involved with what you guys do with Ceramic, right? And Ceramic Network. Also, you do, what's, what is it called? Three box labs? Or did Ceramic come out of three box labs? It did. Um, okay. So three box labs started, um, we were actually just called three box and we made this developer library uh, called three box. And it was a tool that a dev could just add to their web three app 
um, and it gave them like distributed data storage. Um, and we learned a ton over the last two years of building it. Um, you know, we became the leading identity system in Ethereum with over a hundred thousand users having profiles and verified Twitter accounts and all of this. Um, and you know, there were just the, the industry evolved, uh, over time and developers became more sophisticated and three box was sort of a, a simple to use, easy to drop in solution. Um, but it sort of had its limitations because we wanted to make it super easy to use. And so ceramic is sort of evolved out of that into a fully decentralized protocol um, that's super configurable and, and broadens what can actually be done with decentralized data. Yeah. So like with decentralized data, what do you guys do with ceramic or what does ceramic do with that more specifically? Yeah. So I like to sort of like think about how, people build applications and what's required. Um, if you make the comparison to blockchain, blockchains provided this, you know, like Ethereum, for example, is this global platform where you can deploy a smart contract and some people can use it, right? And as I use it, um, the state of the contract changes. So basically like, you know, I transferred this many tokens to you and you did to me and it updates what the current, you know, status of that piece of information is. And a lot of Web3 um, developers have sort of started maturing in their approach to application development, saying, you know, what if we're using blockchains for the financial infrastructure, but how should we handle the, the data infrastructure? And what about decentralizing my database? And so Ceramic provides similar functionality where uh, it allows developers to sort of publish data to IPFS, but also update and transform that data over time. Um, and so it really... I wouldn't call Ceramic a database, but it does give you that type of capability of saying, how can we, you know, actually store data in a decentralized way that's not just a static file. So, you know, like an NFT or something, it's just an image and it is that image all the time. Um, but when you're thinking about, you know, building features into your application that, you know, require user input, like I'm making a comment somewhere or I want to update my profile or I want to, you know, do this thing, add a note to a to-do list. Like these are all things that need to evolve. Um, and so Ceramic is really a platform for building apps with Web3 data that's really complementary to building on blockchains. Okay, got it, got it. I could hear the cops in the background. I'm like, Michael, run, they're coming for you. <laughs> I know, I was really about to hide. Uh, I guess it's one of the downsides of living next to a firehouse. So I thought that was me for a second in Miami because I got the headphones on. I'm like, are they coming for me? <laughs> um, yeah, but that's what you mean by like streams of data, right? When when you have um, not just like static data, like images and stuff like that, but things that are, um, you know, needing to be updated, changed and and whatnot, correct? Yeah. And, and streams of data, you know, it touches a little bit on the, familiar web two concepts, um, you know, in the web two world, people are advanced applications and, and systems are moving towards this event driven architecture where, you know, you represent an object of data as just this like series of things. Um, and at the end, you like look at this like chain of data events and you kind of like reduce it to the data and it's the current state. And whenever I want to like update it, I just add a new, sort of event to the end of the chain, you can think of them as like data chains and they each have, you know, a version. It's completely like evolutionary. And so 
yeah, building applications on top of these flows of data um, is really the natural way to to build applications on on IPFS and on Web three. Got it. Like what what things are being built through Ceramic on Web three um, application wise, or what has been done? A lot of exciting stuff. So I think there's a couple things that I want to highlight. <laughs> they're coming for me again. They, they're, um, they're after you today, man. Um, it's been quiet all day. So the, the first super exciting one um, is decentralized identity. Um, and really, as we sort of talked about before, identity is just uh, a collection of all of my data from all of my interactions across all of my applications. Um, and the key to identity is sort of, uh, you know, having this platform agnostic place, um, you know, where my identity that isn't my account on Ethereum or it's not my account on Polkadot or my account on Solana, it's sort of abstracted from all of those where I as like an independent user can publish information and others can discover that information and make use of it. And so it really enables this, this mode of, um, you know, a common place where any application can write and read to, uh, can write to and read from my data. And so we're seeing that being adopted largely in the, the DAO space right now. Um, so, you know, there's a problem or an emerging problem where as these DeFi protocols and other, you know, platforms are deploying on different blockchains. So you might have one deployment on Ethereum, you might have one deployment on Phantom or Solana. Um, and on each of those platforms, users have different wallet accounts. So I'm using, you know, let's, for example, say Uniswap, like not that they're actually deploying on these places, but on Ethereum, I use Uniswap, uh, my Ethereum account for Uniswap and on, you know, Phantom, I would have to use my Phantom account. And so users are fragmenting their on-chain identities across all of these different platforms. But when it comes to governance of the protocol, um, governance is sort of chain agnostic, right? So if we're governing Uniswap or if we're governing any of these protocols, um, we're not governing just the Ethereum implementation. And so we're actually, governance is this aggregated function. And so decentralized identity is really important because it lets me, it lets users sort of aggregate all of their wallet accounts from their different chains into one data identity with which they're, you know, creating proposals or discussing improvements and um, building up a reputation. And so that's been really exciting to see that the DAO space start to mature um, in its use of decentralized identity. We actually had an exciting integration go live with Boardroom yesterday. So boardroom.info is kind of like this DAO middleware platform um, where they integrate a lot of their, uh, a lot of DAO tooling into one simple interface. Um, and so now they're supporting ceramic enabled decentralized identities and ceramic enabled commenting. They have a new feature called ideation where people can, you know, pre-proposal submit like an idea for something and the community can comment and deliberate on it right in the context of that application versus needing to go to like Discord or Discourse or some other place to do it. Um, this one's so, uh, the Trustless Forums. Yeah, exactly. So it's Trustless Forums um, and they're also using it for identity. And so I think like that's a huge, um, DAOs and identity are a huge place where ceramic is seeing traction. Um, and another one is interestingly the the NFT space. Um, so 
Ceramic has this new this feature called uh, NFT DID, which basically turns any NFT on any blockchain into an identity that can control data in Ceramic. And so really when you think about what that means is it allows, it's an access control mechanism that allows the current owner of the NFT to be the only one allowed to write or you know potentially even read data from this NFT. Um, so it's a way to basically allow NFTs to build up a library of data beyond just like its image or you know what the creator of the NFT put in the original file. And all of that contributes to more value for NFTs. So you know now you can think about valuing an NFT not just along the the data that the initial creator put in there, but also the data that it accumulated throughout all of its ownership history. Um, and there's like a ton of interesting use cases that come from that, but um, we're definitely seeing a lot of traction in that area as well. Yeah, it looks like you guys have a bunch of use cases just like scrolling through here. You got this, obviously the boardroom thing, you got GeoWeb, which is what you're kind of talking about with NFT DIDs, correct? And then correct cross-chain identity, reputation, multi-app user profiles, document database, multi-app data. Yeah, it looks like you guys got like quite a bit of use cases already, which is which is pretty good. How long have you guys been around? So we launched our testnet um, maybe six months ago, maybe four. <laughs> Time is, is, is all warped these days. Um, but since going live on and launching testnet, um, we've had over 350 projects sign up um for the wait list for ceramics mainnet and we actually just launched mainnet a few weeks ago um and we're onboarding projects off that wait list every day um we just you know and so it's like we're we're getting more signups than we can at the speed where people are signing up faster than we can onboard them so the list is growing but um we're we're instituting this wait list program because it makes sure it allows us to ensure that the platform and protocol is performant and stable as it grows in adoption. Like the last thing we would want is to sort of say like fully decentralized system, like everyone go. And then, you know, it immediately hits some unforeseen issue. And so uh, for a quality and consistency um, reasoning, we're, we're sort of taking that process slowly. Um, but yeah, That's we just problem. onboarded. That's a good problem <laughs> to have though. You know, a lot of people wanting to join even though you guys can't quite support it and guarantee, you know, the same kind of um, uh, experience. But I mean, it's it's a good thing to have. Oh, you don't hear me complaining for sure. I mean, <laughs> and, and they're great projects, you know, like some of I sort of won't name drop any that haven't gone live yet, because I think some of them are still sort of in development of the integration. But um, I mean, in the last two days, uh, we've we've onboarded Boardroom, we've onboarded ArcX, who's creating a DeFi passport, um, basically like a DeFi credit score, more or less, based on all of your on-chain activity. And they're sort of publishing that score into a ceramic stream, so it's permissionless. Uh, we've onboarded Doing Good, uh, D-O-I-N-G-U-D, which is an NFT marketplace and platform. There's like a variety of use cases and ways that they're using ceramic. Um, so lots of exciting projects and, and yeah, I, I sort of expect this trend to continue, uh, as long as, you know, we continue to, to, to be able to do what we say we do. Yeah. What, what do you guys mean by a DeFi passport or credit score? Like I've, I've heard stuff like that before, but like, wh what is that exactly? Is that like, just like a 
some type of glorified credit score for you know when you use uh, DeFi products and services across from platforms, or is it something more unique and specific than that? I think that's mostly how they're implementing it. So it, okay. we're not creating that. We're just the platform that they're using to store right. this DeFi score. Um, so we're a bit agnostic to that. But yeah, from what I understand, it's a way for this service basically to look at all of your on-chain activity. Like, have you been liquidated? Uh, how many loans have you taken? How long did it take you to repay them? Like, what's your you know asset to debt ratio? Like all of these things. And it sort of calculates the score for you. Um, and obviously they can just run an API that other applications, when a user shows up, like the other app could like hit their API to get the, the DeFi credit score. Um, but by storing it in ceramic, it means that they don't have to run an API service when all, when any of these other companies or, or protocols or platforms want to know, like, what is this user score? They could sort of just submit a query to the ceramic network and they'll get back that score versus needing to rely on a centralized institution or um, API for that. Yeah. Well, I, I'm still kind of iffy on like what the benefit of having a credit score for DeFi is like, cause in like centralized finance, like for the banks, for example, you, you need to see a credit score. Um, if you're going to lend money to someone because you need to determine, you know, the tolerance of risk that you have mm -hmm. loaning money to someone that might be more high risk to not paying it back. Um, in, in DeFi though, I mean, it's, it's so decentralized. It, it almost, I don't know if it makes sense or not, to have a, a credit score maybe it does you know in terms of you know you know balancing it out in some type of way but i don't know it, it's a picture that i haven't been able to really paint quite yeah i think it's uh i think the use cases are still to be imagined you know i think it's just sort of an open primitive that others can choose to use how they want um but I think in the in some of the earliest adoption might be seen in some of these under collateralized lending platforms versus that platform needing to do like a holistic judgment on you to say like, you know, if you want to take out a loan for maker, you know, you have to collateralize at over collateralize at, at X amount. Um, and I think some of these new emerging financial primitives that are actually under collateralized. So I can actually take out more debt than I have to put in as collateral um, are going to be more dependent on things like decentralized identity and some some form of reputation and some form of, um, you know, information based on my historic actions that are somewhat and they don't guarantee what I will do in the future, but they paint a better picture than um, just saying everyone is completely anonymous and we treat everyone equally because I think like um, that serves people that already have money, but people that don't yet, um, it kind of like limits their ability to access credit. Yeah, I, I think that would make sense from that aspect, having a credit score that's, you know, kind of anonymous in terms of how it's uh, judged or it's equal in some ways so that it's not like discriminating in any kind of way um, so that, you know, people can get lending options from some centralized body. From that perspective, I get it. Um, that, that makes sense. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's, there's so much going on in DeFi in general. It's hard for me to keep up with it sometimes. And I talk to more people on average than anyone else does. And it's just every single time I do another podcast episode, every time I see a new cycle, every time I see a new startup come out or a new project, I'm just like, there's just something new in DeFi. And I'm just like, how? How is there so many new different things in DeFi? It's, it's impossible to keep up with sometimes. It's definitely true. I mean, 
uh, I'm just happy that, you know, we get to sort of focus on the data infrastructure layer and let all these people figure out all these new financial primitives. And, um, you know, we're, we've been more focused on the web three side of the, the sort of decentralized web ecosystem. Um, and we, we get to just sort of support these projects as they, you know, figure out what they need to store in a decentralized way, rather than needing to sort of think through some of these new things ourselves, because they are quite complex and sort of composable and compounding. So uh, it's hard to keep yeah, up. It's, it's those concepts they keep coming up with and throwing out. I just can't keep up with, but you got an easier job. You can just, you know, put your head down and, and work on the tech and not have to worry about it. So I admire yes. that. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you guys have a, a community um, with Ceramic, like a place for people to come together and share what they're working on and ideas they have and talk about, you know, ceramic and what how to improve it or make it better how they're using it or anything like that yeah there definitely is most activity happens in our discord channel um, which can be found by just typing chat.ceramic.network um, you know in the url bar and it'll redirect you to our discord um, and a lot of you know, a lot of developers are there asking questions, thinking about how can my application leverage the capabilities of the ceramic platform? How should I be thinking about decentralized identity? Um, all of these questions um, and everything, of course, is open source. So on our GitHub, um, the entire code base and all the tooling built on top of it is there. Um, we have people submitting PRs every day, adding new capabilities to ceramic, which is probably personally the most motivating to me because you know, as any decentralized technology should aspire to be like, it's only as decentralized as its contributors and as its community. And, and we're seeing a growing development ecosystem, not just the people integrating ceramic, but also working to improve it. Um, you know, we have a full CIP process where if things want to get added to the protocol, they go through, you know, your, your typical decentralized improvement proposal. Um, and we do community calls, um, Every other week, we have open office hours where you can drop by. Um, and yeah, we, we basically work completely out in the open. So there, there's no you know, siloed, separate back channel community. It's sort of like all there in the public. Very cool. Very cool. So like mostly Discord, do you guys have like a Telegram or anything like that? We don't have a Telegram yet. Um, okay. That'll come in time. Um, I think as our community diversifies, uh, and, and there's different stakeholder groups, but most people today are just developers that want to build amazing apps. So we thought discord is the, the right place for them to be able to do that. Okay, perfect. I'll, I'll try and get those links and put them in the description, or if you have them, you can send them over my way via email or something. Okay. Yeah, I'm happy to. Okay, cool. Um, we'll go ahead and wrap up the podcast there just a couple minutes early. I think we covered enough. Um, but Michael, thanks for taking the time to come on. It was a pleasure to have you. Um, you know, appreciate you, you know, making the time and everything and diving into what ceramic is and um, how it's beneficial for Web3 development and developers and um, how fast you guys are growing in the space too. Yeah, appreciate it, Brandon. It's, it's kind of been an amazing ride. It's, you know, it took us a year and a half to get the technology right. Um, so it's definitely an exciting time where we get to bring it to market and actually see real projects going live. Um, it's pretty validating. Yeah, it'll be exciting, um, exciting to see how you guys like unfold over the next year and everything. Um, so definitely keep me updated and stay in touch. Yeah, a lot of exciting things. All right, cool. Um, stay on for just a second and we'll wrap it up here. 
again, Michael. Thanks for taking the time to come on. Really appreciate it.